Exodus chapter number 11. Now, we're all certainly familiar with what's happened here. The children of Israel, they've been in Egypt since Joseph's day, and now there's come a day that there's been uh, great affliction, there's been great torment, and uh, I believe already well said, that affliction and that torment that brought Israel to pray unto God for deliverance, it was God that brought that that they would cry, that God would deliver. And so God raised up Moses, and we know about his life. The plagues that have already occurred here, and we're coming up to the final plague that's going to bring liberty to Israel out from under Pharaoh and the nation of Egypt. If you'll look in uh, chapter 11, verse number 4, And Moses said, Thus saith the Lord, About midnight, will I go out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh that sitteth upon his throne, even unto the firstborn of the maidservant that is behind the meal, and all the firstborn of beasts. And there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there was none like it, nor shall be like it any more." Uh, one, one more place in chapter 12, verse 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. So God is going to give in this, this Old Testament these types and shadows, God is going to provide a picture of what He's going to do in Jesus Christ. And certainly Jesus in Corinthians is called our Passover. So this is a type and a shadow of what's to come. And as God proclaims His judgment that's going to come, there's going to be a firstborn dead in every house. And notice the way the Lord says this, from Pharaoh that sitteth on the throne to the maid servant that's behind the meal. So if we were to say it in our little area, I believe you could say from the Cecils at the Vanderbilt mansion to the person sleeping under I-40. From the highest politician in the state of North Carolina to the littlest nothing in North Carolina. From, from the richest to the poorest the highest to the lowest, and from the most religious to the least religious, there's coming this judgment. And he says there's not going to be a house in the land of Egypt that's not going to have one dead in it. Now, you know, I realize the way man thinks. He, he would say, well, uh, I, I'm this and I've lived like this. I've done these good works. I've, I've been this. I've got this much money. Uh, all of the things that man would say I've done and what I am, he'd say, well, I'm going to skirt by this judgment. I mean, I'm Pharaoh. I've got guards at my front door. I've got guards in my hallway. I've got the army at my call. I've got men that sleep in the bedroom with my children. Surely God's not going to touch me. And that's the way man thinks. He thinks, well, I'm untouchable, whether it's because of religious and good works or because of who that we are, we think, well, God's not going to get to me. But God says it's going to be from the top to the bottom. Yes. 
there's going to be a firstborn dead in every house. And I believe this, a universal judgment. I believe that's what you see here in Egypt. And you know, there ought to be a recognition that that's what man is under today. There's none that's exempt from the judgment and the wrath of God. The only way to be exempt from this is to not be a sinner. I mean, if we're going to go by man, money doesn't matter. What you've done doesn't matter. The only way to escape this universal judgment is that there be no sin. Now, I could, honest to God, it would be a waste of time because we already know the Scripture in Romans 2 and in Romans 3. We know that the Scriptures concluded all under sin. We know that every man is wicked. We've all turned to our own way. We've all forsook good, uh, God, and we know that there's none that doeth good, no, not one. And if we know those things and we know the Ten Commandments, and we know what we are, then recognize this, that I am guilty, and I'm in danger of the judgment. There's a judgment proclaimed. And it's not the death of my firstborn child. It's the death of my eternal soul that lays in the balance. For my sin and for my iniquity, there's a judgment and the wrath of God that hangeth over our heads. So Pharaoh's facing this this wrath of God, this judgment of God. In, in Romans chapter number 2, just a couple verses and we'll get back to Exodus. The Bible says in verse number 6, "...who will render to every man according to his deeds, to them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality eternal life." But to them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil, of the Jew first and also of the Gentile. Verse 11, if you'll skip down if you're looking there. For there is no respect of persons with God. Now you hear that said that, well, what that means is God does every man exactly the same. And we said in Sunday school last Sunday, that's not the case. There's some born with more sense than others. Some's born with more money than others. Not everybody has the same thing. But this is what that means. If you read there's no respect of persons, He is not looking at who you are and taking that into account in His judgment or in His mercy. Well, see, if if you were looking at this situation in Exodus down in Egypt, who would you say, if there's one person that's exempt, who would you say that would be? I know who I'd say. I'd say it'd be Moses. God wouldn't hurt Moses. I mean, that's God's man. He's at the head. He's the leader. He's the one that's in there. And you know, ain't it amazing what God knows? If man's going to say anybody was exempt and didn't have to slay the Passover, they would have said Moses. But you know, we've got one verse. There's one verse in Hebrews chapter 11 that tells me that through faith Moses killed the Passover lest he that touched the Egyptians should touch him. So you know, this judgment, it wasn't just for Egypt. You know, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, if I was God, I'd have just said the city limits of Ramses there. That's, that'll be the ones. And all of Israel out in Goshen, they'll be exempt. But that ain't the way that works. 
That's not the way this judgment works either. You might be Moses' firstborn. You're not exempt from the judgment of God. Man says, well, my daddy and my father-in-law and my granddaddy, my children are this, and they were charter members of that, and they were deacons of this, and they pastored that, and they've been this in the church. I'm telling you, Moses was the chosen man of God to bring plagues upon Egypt and God's man to lead Israel out of Egypt in the greatest story of redemption outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what Moses had to do? He had to slay the Passover for this judgment hung over his head as well. I don't care who your mom and daddy is or who you are, this judgment lays over your head. From the top to the bottom, there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt. I've tried to think about this. You know, in a densely populated area and their houses, they weren't built like ours. They didn't have windows like we have. So you've got house on top of house on top of house and this mom and dad wakes up and their firstborn's dead. And the cry that they cry is heard next door and they wake up and their firstborn's dead. And you go all through the city and all through the land of Egypt. You know what that was? That was a cry that had never been heard before. What death, what sorrow, what sadness, what a place. I, I, I don't even know how, how to put that in words, but I believe you could imagine that if you woke up in the middle of the night and there laid your firstborn dead, what kind of a cry would come out of your mouth? Would your heart be broken? Well, I want you to know this. In every house in Egypt, that was the situation. But I also want you to know that that cry is of no comparison to the cry in the great day of judgment. When they say, Lord, Lord, did we not? Lord, have we not? Lord, Lord, were you not in our midst and in our place? Did we not hear your word and your gospel? And the Lord says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, into outer darkness. This sentence is forever. You'll never escape this. You'll never get reprieve from this. There'll never be a drip of water to cool your dry tongue. There'll never be an ounce of coolness upon your back. But eternal judgment rests upon you. My God, what a cry is going to be in that day. And this is going to be done without respect of persons. God's not going to look at who you are and say, well, his daddy was good. I'm going to let him slide. That won't work. That won't work. But in verse number 7 of chapter 11, but against the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue against man or beast that you may know how that the Lord doth put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. So this is God, God has told Pharaoh, this is what's coming, but you know my people 
are going to be safe. Well, God's just going to, He's going to ignore His people and sweep their sin under the rug. Now look again in 12, verse 12. I will pass through, I will execute judgment. And in verse 13, and the blood shall be to you for a token. You know what God's going to do? How is God going to make a difference between Israel and Egypt? It's not going to be that God's just going to skip over them. Man thinks, well, God's just going to skip over Christians, but that's not the case because that would be unjust. If sin requires death and I have sinned, then I must die. It doesn't matter who that I am. But you know what God's going to do for Israel? You mean He's not going to do this for Egypt? By the book, He's not. By the book, He's going to put a difference between Israel and Egypt. And He's going to provide for the Israelites a substitution in death. You know what they're going to be directed to do? You need to take the Passover, set it aside. It's got to be a lamb or a he goat without blemish of the first year. You take it and set it aside. And on the 14th day, you bring that into your house and you kill it. You put the blood on the side in the doorpost. And this blood's going to be a token. And when he sees the blood, he says, I'll pass over you. Some of the best Old Testament words in the book, in my opinion, I believe. But you know what's going to happen? Now, does it mean, well, they're just going to skirt by? No. But God has got a substitution for the firstborn in the house. So what's going to happen is this little lamb here, they're going to take that in, they're going to cut its throat, and the lamb is going to die that my firstborn might live. That lamb is going to bear the penalty. The lamb is going to take the punishment. The lamb is going to bear the judgment. And does God have to accept that? He didn't have to accept that. But you know what God said? If you'll do this, I'll accept it and I'll pass over your house and the judgment will not rest on you. So I think we all see the implication of that. You can see our precious Savior, our Passover, the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe you can see the judgment, the fear of judgment that was there and the Lord having provided, we'll say for Israel... We're still Israel. We're still the children of Abraham by faith. The New Testament tells us that we are. And so for Israel, He's put a distinction between us and the world. It's not that I've given more money or I've given more of my time or I've done better, but the Lamb is the distinction. The Lamb is the difference. And so the Lord gave His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what the Lord did? We looked at this Scripture last year in Galatians chapter 3. The Lord Jesus became a curse. The curse of the law that rested on our heads, that that held us down, that that kept us in fear. God made Jesus the curse. God laid our sins on Him. Let's just turn and look at some Scripture you probably have memorized uh, uh, in uh, Isaiah chapter number 53. Surely He hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem Him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him and with His stripes we are healed. So you see the Lamb? The Lamb is dying that the firstborn of the house 
could live. The Lord Jesus is dying. He's being beaten. His back is being strapped. What's He doing? He is bearing the very judgment that laid on our hands. There's no ignoring sin, but the Lord has laid on Him the iniquity of us all. There He goes to Calvary. On Him was our sin. Why, preacher, God killed an innocent man there. No, not in the eyes of God Almighty. He wasn't innocent. He had our sin on Him. He had my filth upon Him. He had my ignorance on Him, my rebellion. And He hung there and died in my place. A substitution. He became a curse that we that were accursed could be set free from that law. He bore the wrath of God. He bore the anger of God. And so Israel is free. New Testament Israel is free because of the Lamb. Because of the blood. Because God saw fit to provide a substitution for our sins. Now what's this going to do? Back in Exodus. And we will hurry along, I promise. Exodus chapter 12, verse number 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. What's going to happen here? Well, their calendar is going to be changed. They had been going by what the Egyptians went by. They had been there so long. They had an Egyptian calendar. That's the way they kept their time. But you know what God's going to do? Think about the picture now. We're about to start a new year. It's a time to make resolutions. We look back and, and if you're like me, if you're like me, you look back and you see where you failed. And you see how often you've come short of not, not even what God said, but what you wanted to do. How that you wanted to serve God and how that we can't even live up to what we want. And you know what we say? This is going to be a new year. I'm going to try to do better this year. It's going to be a new beginning. Man makes resolutions. I tell you this, God's going to start a new year and it's not going to last for just a day or two. God says this is a new year. This will be the beginning of the year for the rest of your generation. God's going to make new. He says in Ezekiel 36, a new heart will I give you, a new spirit will I put within you, I'll take away the stony heart, and I'll give you a heart of flesh. We all know the scripture in 2 Corinthians 5, it's already been quoted, if any man be in Christ, new creature. What's God done? I tell you, He started afresh. It's that, that clay that was on the potter's wheel and it became marge. You know what He did? He made that anew. And that's exactly what He's done for His people. Why, preacher, He's made it and now it's up to us to keep it. I'll tell you, He didn't tell me I had to keep it. My dependence is in the blood of the Lamb of God. The blood's the token. So a beginning of months... I, and honest, I never thought about that till, till just a day or two ago as we were reading this again. How that we're about to start a new year. You look back on the failures. You 
look back, and I'm going to tell you if, you, if you ever look with soberness at what you really are of yourself, it's always a disappointment. When I really reflect about what I am, it, it could lead to depression. If you stay, I mean, I am such a failure in every facet of my imagination. And the devil says, how in the world could you belong to God? How could you go and teach or preach to people? There ain't but one way. It's by the blood of the Lamb of God. It's by His righteousness. I'm telling you, He started us a new one day. And, and you know what that was? That was in a figure of the start we're going to have one day. There's coming a day that I'm going to be free from everything. That God's going to release me from the bondage of this man and we'll rejoice in the presence of the Lord free from all sin. There'll be a new heaven and a new earth then as well. I realize today there's a new heaven and a new earth. He's wrought a work in this man. There's coming another renewing that all evil is going to be done So there's going to be a new life brought forth. And they're going to walk up out of Egypt. Now here was a people that lived under the government of Pharaoh their whole life. I believe you could see it like this. Here's a family that's never struck a lick on their own. Mom and daddy, the young'uns, maybe even the grand young'uns, they've been on the corn their whole life. They've drew a check their whole life. Now the check's going to be cut off and they're going to have to make it on their own. Well, Israel's lived under Pharaoh. I mean, they've been his servants the last 80 years. For the most part, they've been took care of. Now they're going out. They're going to march out and not, not on a pretty good weather day. They're going out in the middle of the night. They're not going out in glory. They're going out during a time of the greatest death and judgment that's ever been on the face of the earth. They're going out at a time when there's dead in every house down in the land of Egypt. I tell you what it's going to be. It's going to be a fearful time. But you know what he tells them to do? As they kill this lamb, they put the blood. He tells them roast that with fire and eat of that. Eat it with your shoes on. Eat it with your loins skirt up. You get ready to take a trip. This lamb is going to give you strength. I, I thought of uh, was it Elijah that ate and went on the strength of it 40 days. I tell you, God's able to feed and provide. Well, the Lord, the Lord didn't send them out without strength. The lamb provided strength for them as they went out. And you know, He didn't leave us without strength either. In Romans 8, 26, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. That word helpeth. I don't know if you've ever looked that up. That's a, that's a good word. It's to lift alongside opposite of. It's this here. If this weighed 400 pounds, and I'm trying to move that, that myself. But you know what? Somebody gets on the other side and picks it up. I'll be able to pick it up and carry it with her. That's what the Holy Ghost does. God doesn't say, I'm going to pick you up and carry you out of here and you're not going to have a care in the world and it's going to be the easiest thing you've ever done. They're going to walk out step by step. They're going to have to march it. They've got to walk it. You know what the Lord's done? He saved us and He's not carried us off in glory. But He's left us here. And here we walk step by step. Now we're not alone. 
We're aided by the Holy Ghost. I know what I do sometimes. Sometimes I say that's too hard for me. When the God's truth is I could do it if I would. But I'll tell you this. In those times that it gets too hard, there's somebody on the other side to lift and aid you. The Holy Spirit is with us. When we get down in the dumps and dark, the Holy Spirit is there to embrace us. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been down in a place where you're, you're afraid, when you're fearful, when you think, what am I going to do tomorrow? How am I going to make it out of this? And you know the situation's not made any different, but you get down. God lets you pray just a little. The Holy Spirit gets you by the heart and you can get up and say, I'm going to make it. What did he do? I tell you what he done. He didn't carry it away from me. But he said, I'm going to come down on the other side. I'm going to take a hold of that. And we're going to make it. He was there to help in our infirmities. I tell you, the Lord was more. He was more than just blood on a cross. He rose from the dead. And he's with us even to the end of the world. Preacher, there's been times I didn't think he was there. I would say that in just a day or two from Exodus 12, there's going to come a time that they say, well, I don't believe the Lord's with us. Pharaoh's army's pushing at their back. They got cliffs on either side. The Red Sea's in front of them. And you know what they say? They're just like me. Why have you brought me here? You've brought me here to kill me. That's the way we get. God, what are you doing? Why have you brought me here? You've done this to hurt me. You've done this to kill me. You've brought me out here in the middle of the desert and you forsook me. But I'll tell you what we can do. We can look back. It's easy for us to look back at them and say, well, God was with them the whole time. It's hard in the moment. With Pharaoh's army behind you, it's hard to say, God's with me. But oh boy, He's there. You know what the, the church, the spiritual Israel is to God? The apple of His eyes. Oh, I'm telling you, He's there. There's been times, there's been times that listening to preaching... And I'll say preaching as there's been times that that's put me down so low that I didn't feel like I could pick my head up and thought, what in the world is going on? What is wrong with this world that we're in? Why is this like this? God, why have you let the church get in this shape? But oh boy, he's there to lift up on the other side. And the next time you get up, he's there to pick up with you. Yes. I can't get up under this load. The Holy Spirit's there to aid us. Now we've still got to pick up our end. And God help us to pick up our end. I still had to study. I still had to pray. I've still had to come Friday night. I've had to get up and preach. But you know what the Lord is? He's going to be there. I can rest assured. I can rest assured. The Lord's going to be there. And the Lord's going to help us. I tell you, the church has got that hope. We've got an aid. Paul said in Philippians... 4.13 I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. He is empowering. He's giving grace and help to His people. 
Now, what I'd like for you to think about now, if you'll look, look in your Bibles, Exodus chapter 13, verse 21 and 22. A couple pages over in my Bible. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them by the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. Now do you know where this pillar came from? It came from off of the Ark of the Covenant. The Levites bearing the Ark and bearing the tabernacle, they went out in front, and from the seed of God came the cloud and from the fire. And you know today God's left us aids to help us. We've got the Word of God. We have the direction of God in this precious book that would help me, that would lead me, that would show me what I ought to do. And you know what? I, I realize that every single, if you want to get down to nuts and bolts, if you'll have it this way, God doesn't tell me the name of the person that I should have married. And He don't tell me where I ought to go to work at. He don't tell me what kind of degree I ought to get. But you know what He does do? He gives me instruction in the Word of God. He lays it out for me. He gives me direction. And by the Spirit, through this Word, I tell you what He can do. He can lead us right to that specific answer. It may not be written, but by the Word of God and by the Spirit, He's there to lead our lives. Now, you know what that takes? I'm going to have to get to a place that I say, Lord, I don't know where I'm going. You think about Joshua. I believe it was Joshua. He said, you stand back and you let the priests go with the ark, and you fall in behind them. We've never been this way heretofore. But you know, that's the way I ought to get up every day. God, I need Your guidance and Your wisdom and Your leadership because certainly I'm going to fail. So in Romans chapter 6, verse 11, Likewise, you also reckon yourselves also to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. I, I believe what Ronnie preached, I believe that lines right up with what you see here. God has brought them out of Egypt. God delivered them from bondage. God set them free. And because God's done this work, ought they not to follow Him? David said, God's heard my cry. He's delivered me. He set me on the rock. Ought I not follow Him? Well, that's what Paul says in Romans. You've been raised from the dead. You're dead with Christ and you've been raised in newness of life. Let not sin reign, therefore, in your mortal bodies. But let us live in the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, that's... I say this, that's easily, easily said. But the battle's going to get tough. And I, I don't mean, I don't even mean whipping you on the back either. But I'm going to tell you it's going to get tough in this carnal mind. Because God has brought them out of Egypt. And I'm telling you, them that are saved, they're free from the devil. 
They're free from sin. They're free from judgment. They're free from guilt. They are free and they're alive in the Spirit. But, yet we have a flesh that we carry around with us day by day. A weak flesh. The Lord Jesus' flesh was weak. He said the Spirit's willing, the flesh is weak. Now if His flesh was weak, where do I I fit in on that spectrum? I tell you where I'm at. I'm a weakling. I have a weak flesh. And He says in Galatians, the flesh lusteth against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh that you cannot do the things that you would. Paul said, when I would do good, evil is present. What I would do, that I don't. What I wouldn't do, I find myself doing. I tell you what there is. There's a continual battle and warfare and fight day by day. And you know where that could lead a man? That could lead me to a place that I faint. The the devil says, the devil says, son, that ain't worth it. It ain't worth that. You ought to lay that down and give that up. It's not worth it. I know he's a liar and the father of it, but you get weak. You get weak and you begin to like what the devil's saying. You get good and hungry and he says, turn these stones into bread. That's very tempting, wouldn't you say? I tell you, we're the same way in the weakness of our flesh. But you know what the Lord says here? If you're, if you're still in Exodus chapter number 12, verse 14, This day shall be unto you for a memorial. Ye shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. Ye shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. In chapter 13, verse number 8, Thou shalt... Shew thy son in that day, saying, This is done because of that which the Lord did unto me when I came forth out of Egypt. So what's God going to do? He's going to set up a feast. And you know what the children of Israel are going to be commanded to do at this time every year? We're going to keep the feast of the Passover. We're going to slay this lamb. We're going to do all the... Why would God institute such a feast? So that they remember See, we're forgetful. We're very forgetful. In Deuteronomy, just look in the book of Deuteronomy at how many times forget and remember is there. You're going to go into a place that's flowing with milk and honey and you're going to forget. You're going to get down in affliction and in sorrow and you're going to forget what kind of God you're serving. We're very forgetful. But he says we're going to set this feast up and every year throughout your generations this is going to be kept for a remembrance so that we can remember. It would do us good and, and I know it's already been said but if we could look back as Isaiah says to the hole of the pit from whence we're digged if we could look back to the land of Egypt that we were under and we could see the mighty hand and the great love that God had for us that we could be delivered from sin and from bondage and the great work and power that's been going on in our lives since then. God ever part the Red Sea for you? He brought me out of Egypt. But it's not going to be too long that I'm going to need Him again. 
And you know what I'm going to have to do? I'm going to be brought where David was again. I'm going to have to cry. He brings me to the place again that I cry. And the Lord parts the Red Sea and lets us walk. And as I look back, as I look back on my life, Uh, from the day that He saved me. Let's just go back that far. And you see the providence of God step by step, place by place, how that He's put you exactly where you ought to be. He's kept you when you should have been in danger. His hand has been with you when you didn't recognize it. It would do us good to remember what God's done for us. A memorial. In Hebrews 12... You know this Scripture. Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. So here's a, a marching, a running, a course that's laid out before us. What are we to do? Well, he said in Romans, let's uh, put aside the old man. Let's not yield our members, our body, our tongue, our hands, our eyes, our mouth. Let's not yield that to the sin to be its servant, but let us live for God. And in Hebrews, lay aside the weight, the sin that easily besets us. As we start a new year, is that not wonderful Scripture? Let us lay aside that that's hindered us. Let us get those things that's kept us from being what we wanted out of the way and let us run the race that is set before us. That's not the end of that Scripture though. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame. I read this just... Uh, several weeks ago, I guess, in preaching words that I never truly seen the weight of. But the Lord Jesus says the servant is not above his master. How foolish it is for me to think that I'm above the Lord Jesus. And when a little bit of suffering comes my way, I say, what in the devil? I don't deserve this. This I don't of all people on the earth. I don't deserve to go through this and I forget about my Savior that who did not deserve anything. Yet they smote Him and they beat Him and they spit on Him and they mocked Him. They reviled Him and they hated Him and He endured it for me. Now if the Master endured that, ought I not gird up my loins and say I'm not above my Savior. Let me follow in His footsteps and if they revile me, let them revile. He said in Peter, when they revile, he reviled not again. What about this? I believe it's in Jude. That the archangel of the Lord did not dispute with the devil, but said, the Lord rebuke thee. Do I need to get in the last word? Do I need to prove my point? I tell you, the angel of the Lord, one with power to rebuke, Mm -hmm. he said, the Lord will take care of you. We can trust the same Lord that the angels got. We can trust the same God that Moses has got. Why, preacher, they're making it harder on us. It's becoming more difficult for us. They've made our labor to be hard. I tell you, God's bringing us to a day of redemption. Our rest is coming. Let us labor while we have time. And while we're laboring, let's look unto Jesus, the author and finisher, 
You're here only because of Him. You didn't make the right choice. You wasn't in the right place, right time. You didn't get lucky. It wasn't by chance. But God ordered our steps to this day and we are here because God has put us here. Pharaoh's there because God put Pharaoh there. Why, preacher, Pharaoh was a rest. Surely God didn't do that. What did God tell Moses? God said, I brought him up so that I can destroy him and exalt my name. Preacher, the enemy's on every side. They're even in control of everything round about us. I tell you, the Lord's the one in control. Don't forget the God that saved you. He's greater than just you. He's over it all. The gods of the Egyptians, they worship beetles and God eat their crops up with beetles. They worship frogs and God smothered them and stunk them out with frogs. They worship the river and God turned it to blood and killed everything in it. They worship the sun and God turned the sun dark. And it was dark and a darkness that could be felt. Pharaoh said, I'm not letting them go. And God destroyed Pharaoh's firstborn. And Pharaoh said, you get out of here and don't come back. And in just a few minutes, God turned in Pharaoh's heart. Pharaoh got angry and said, I'm going after him. And God drowned him in the middle of the sea. You tell me Pharaoh's above God. You tell me the government's above God. You tell me the community's above God. You think the churches are above God. I'm telling you, God's in control. And if you're here, he's put you here. Amen. Oh, I would. We could see that and rest in that. For consider Him. Consider. Oh, don't blindly go through that. Don't speedily read over it. But sit down for a few minutes and consider the Lord Jesus who endured such contradiction of sinners against Himself. Why should I sit down and consider that? Lest you be weary and faint in your minds. Because there's the devil. It ain't worth it, Grady. Lay it down. It ain't worth that. It ain't worth that effort. It's just going to make you more hated. It's going to make them dislike you more. Just lay it down and give it up. And in just a few days of that, I'm so weary that I can't hold my head up. You know where I'm to look? To my example. Christ our example. Who bore it. He stayed under it. He carried it all the way. How far did He go? He went all the way to death. And may God help us everyone to carry it all the way to death. And when we're weary, let us look to Him and remember what He's done. I, I realize we've got, we've got communion. Maybe you have it once a year around Easter. Maybe more. You know what that is? Remember. That's right. This do in remembrance of me. Honest to God, every day ought to be communion. That I remember what the Lord has done for me. That I remember where the Lord has brought me from. That I might take courage. 
that I might be encouraged by my Savior, by the God of the Word of God, by the Holy Spirit that's there to aid me, and that I might go on happily. Happily. He says, do all things murmuring and disputing. I've done that too. I've said, honey, I don't want to go there. I don't want to have to preach there. I know what it's going to be. Boy, ain't that, ain't that sad? That's the way we are, though. We are flesh. I tell you, look unto Jesus who went down in the midst of Jerusalem knowing what He was going to face, knowing what He was going to endure, but He went and He endured and He stayed under and by the grace of God, may we stay under it if we're allowed another year. Let's be found back here next year under the Word of God praying, Lord, let me stay under it another one until You call me home. That's all that's on her heart. You come on and...